I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. I just wanted to say thanks so much for being here and also for all of those people who took part in the National Association for Primary Education CPD workshops that we did over the course of this academic year 21-22. It's been such a privilege to be able to host these things and bring you some great insights and speakers um, and really help support people in the primary education. It's been something which I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed and look forward to doing some more in the future. And I know that NAEP have some big plans in terms of what they're going to bring for primary education in the next academic year. Today I'm chatting to Lindsay Lee Dunwoody, and she's the Director of Education Strategy at the 1851 Trust. Her first-hand experience of witnessing the life-changing benefits that quality education content can have for young people drives her passion for and shapes her creative approach in designing cutting-edge education that is accessible for all, demonstrating what is possible beyond business as usual. After achieving a master's degree in education policy at King's College London, she joined the Royal Horticultural Society to deliver the National Education Plan that spanned primary, secondary and adult visitor education, courses and live sessions. This experience drew on her ability to weave past collections, present science and future challenges into educational garden experiences that launched with the opening of the RHS flagship offering Hilltop, the home of gardening science. Lindsay Lee believes that education is a powerful vehicle for change, which must be made accessible, relevant and purposeful to achieve maximum impact across society. Encapsulated in all her work is a passion for creating access to expert and amplifying the voice of young people so that every child has the opportunity to fulfil their full potential and not be disadvantaged by life's challenges. Her focus is on the young person, in and out of school, and that they are prepared for life and not just a profession. Doesn't that just sound wonderful? So here's my conversation with Lindsay Lee Dunwoody. Hi Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Far podcast. So tell us, protect our future what is it? How, how is it? How did it come into um, in, into reality, and, and what's your role within it? Thanks, Mark, for having me along today. Um, so yeah, protect our future. Um, great new program from the eighteen fifty one trust that we've been developing over the last six months, really. Um, so initially, we wanted to do something different, um, sort of take the education system where it is at the moment on this leap um, to where it needs to be, sort of reflecting on the challenges that young people have at the moment, as well as teachers and parents supporting the young people they care about. And when we started out, we looked at young people and climate change. And the research um, highlights that 11 to 16 year olds, they, they disengage with science as they go through their secondary school career. Um, and they feel that science is not necessarily for them. And they stop aspiring to be scientists, either as a career choice or to really engage with it and connect with the science. Um, and also that comes down to what they really feel passionate about. So the young people that we talked to when we were creating the programme and sort of the vision of what we wanted to achieve, we understood that those young people, they, they care about the planet, they care about people and they care about nature. And they need something that actually addresses the, the big concern at the moment, sort of mental health amongst young people and how they feel about these issues. Um, and they're unclear about sort of the science behind it they want to take action but they don't necessarily know where to find the go-to resource or the knowledge they need to really unpick behind the headlines and be able to take informed action based on that knowledge that they have um, to act and I think with teachers and, and parents there's this sort of increased stressed population of teachers that are trying to act in a way that solves these problems and gives the best support that they can that feels really relevant and purposeful for young people 
but they're inundated with these kind of piecemeal resources that are out there. Um, there's sort of duplication of, um, there's not sort of the quality assurance. We've had this big swell um, of resources that were put online during lockdown. Um, not everything was necessarily um, quality assured at the time, but everybody with the best intentions was trying to support home learning and teach sort of going to a digital delivery um, so that's that was a big challenge that we recognized when we started conversations um, with teachers looking to develop the new program and actually 2023 science teachers are going to be tasked with this climate education and sustainability and weaving it throughout their delivery um, with young people um, but they don't necessarily have the confidence at this point. And 70% of teachers in surveys, not just by the 8051 Trust, but also from other like-minded organisations have found that these teachers don't feel equipped to teach on the sustainability piece. So it's it's a huge challenge. And I think when you've got a challenge like this, you need a solution <laughs> put on the table. Um, and that's where we look to create Protect Our Future that co-creates um, resources with teachers, with young people, with parents. It's very much a, a community approach, recognising that it's not just going to sit on one person's shoulders to come up with solutions for the future. Actually, it's collaborating, it's connecting, it's bringing people together and ensuring that young people have a voice in that conversation um, to sort of dispel sort of frustrations that were felt perhaps around COP26, that they wanted to be part of it. They wanted to see momentum in the change um, and, a, and a new solution was needed to achieve that and we believe that protect our future will create that momentum will convene bring people together um, to, with the level of urgency that is required um, sort of across not just climate change and sustainability but young people's mental health their physical health and preparing people for <clears throat> excuse me preparing young people for future careers that perhaps don't exist at the moment. Um, so they need to have the skill set and the knowledge to adapt and be resilient to the future of the planet that they're going to be living on. Um, so Protect Our Future came from this way of thinking to look to cover sort of the nature, people, planet piece, connecting the communities, whether that's industry, research, um, teachers and young people, and also the home, the households that surround these young people um, to give them the support, but utilising um, schools as the hearts of communities. And if we can work with schools to open the doors and, and bring people together, a, a very much a cross-generational approach, then we'll be able to ensure that those connections drive, drive the change at a, a pace that we need. Um, so in terms of the programme, how it works, in particular for, for young people, it's separated out into different action areas. So each area covers an action that young people want to take to protect um, a specific area. So it may be looking at um, healthy oceans as a piece of work and understanding all the different organisations that are working towards the health of our oceans, but also looking at the water cycle and down to Kind of what you flush down the toilet to how much water you use um, sort of thinking clever sort of day-to-day -day small actions that everybody can access but then also understanding the bigger part that plays sort of globally um, and how people have different challenges and how they're overcoming those and then we look at um, the cut the jargon piece which is looking at the language used around the science of what these challenges are, um, connecting people with that science so they then can access the rest of the information and also use that language when they are informing others about it and having conversations so people feel that it is for them, that they can be part of part of the action that needs to be taken and spread that message sort of beyond their own household and with friends and family. And then the third part of the programme is looking at how we connect young people to scientists um, and people that work in careers that are passionate about change happening um, and taking action in these areas. And I think it's a really important point there as to certain careers wouldn't necessarily see themselves as science-y careers um, but they're still very much relevant and they still have a huge part in that conversation and the program really looks to put the spotlight on those individuals and the organizations they are part of whether they're a small 
community group that is doing fantastic work or sort of the global organization um, that is really taking on uh, sustainability and how they act and stopping and reflecting on kind of how business has been done and what the future of that looks like and how they can do things better um, for the health of the planet but also for people as well and on behind that piece then as we look at the scientists we then look at the knowledge um, so we're building people's knowledge through the program in terms of what they understand now, um, kind of what the breadth can be of that area of, of, of science beyond the science fundamentals, how does that work in application? What are the pros and cons? And it's very much having a balanced view of looking at those pros and cons and understanding that it's not always 100% right, but it's moving in the right direction and people are aware of, of what things need to change and looking for where innovation is happening to make that um, that knowledge uh, really purposeful and long-term kind of how does that look? And then the, the fifth point of the programme is building that community. And that's a huge part for us as the 1851 Trust because previously um, with our STEM crew programme, we worked with the teachers in schools and we made sure that there was the best support available for the teachers to deliver inspirational content that connected um, the inspirational context of sports um, with the knowledge. So sort of learners at sort of perhaps the back of the classroom that didn't really find a way in because um, it was quite textbook based, we would provide that, um, that stimulus at the start of the lesson that would get them engaged and understand that the learning was, was for them. With the programme now with Protect Our Future um, as an additional programme, it's looking at the whole the whole cycle um, and it very much reflects kind of what everybody's been through over the last few years in terms of what young people really care about, but also identifying that it is the full cycle. And as parents took on a lot of homeschooling during lockdown, that relationship between school and home, it really is blurred now. So we needed a program that goes beyond the school gates and works with youth organisations that works with um, sort of girl guides, with scouts, so it can work outside the learning of a classroom and really drop the walls on that learning experience to take it beyond the classroom into the outside spaces to look at local community projects and go beyond the desk um, fundamentally. So community is a huge part of building and developing the skills and confidence for everybody to engage in the conversation. So one of the things I find really fascinating about this, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in the, like you said, the community at large, in the fact that it's more than just the, the four walls of a school classroom and, and, and all that kind of thing. How do you find the engagement with schools from that particular standpoint? Because, like you said, the, 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 the line started to get more blurred because of COVID, but I've also seen it the other way, that now it's sort of back to normal in inverted commas um there's a certain amount of it needs to now look like this again and we need to start to take control so your ex what's your experience in terms of of how schools take take it on board and, and, and how the the practicalities and how the practicalities work yeah it's, it's really interesting i think we need to be cautious in going back to what was sort of seen as normal um there was huge issues before COVID um, in terms of young people's mental health. And I feel like it was a storm brewing that really came to full fruition in that time when people were in lockdown, because what were cracks um, in delivery in certain particular certain postcode areas of schooling then became huge caverns um, because it blew it out. And that really amplified the issues that we were having with young people in particular mental health. In terms of sort of closing the gap initiatives, um, we're sort of with certain demographics and, and young people from certain social economic backgrounds, all of these things came to a head. With the approach with working with the schools and beyond, I think it, it promotes and also demonstrates that collaboration is key. And there's a lot of support beyond the school gates in terms of local industry and um, passionate people that work in communities. If you can demonstrate a way that it works, um, then actually the results are fantastic for the young people involved. And we are having this at the moment with um, a project that we are part of up in Hull with 13 secondary schools. 
and it's part of our pilot um, with Protect Our Future. So we work with 13 schools and we connect them with local opportunities, whether that's industry or research that's going on on their doorstep. Um, so young people can really see and take great pride in what they are seeing locally, but also understanding that these are people that live and breathe and walk on the same streets that they do. They go to the same supermarket. They, they talk the same talk because they know the heart of the community is what's actually driving the project and it's through the oes net zero project this huge coalition of different industry partners um, that are brought together to work to give young people pride ultimately in where they live um, and reach every household so each of those young people in the school community they'll be sort of given challenges and we'll work with them to support how they how they approach work with different partners um, to then go home and have a think about it, have a have a conversation. There's no right or wrong answers, but that feedback ultimately will create uh, support and resources for the teachers to use in their delivery in school that's relevant for those young people. So that in itself, um, because that, if it feels relevant, then young people will engage with it um, because they know that it's actually for them with them. And they've been heard. It's not just sort of um, sitting back and listening, but actually acting on the feedback that the school received, the industry partners, that the 8051 Trust received, and make sure that we come up with uh, a solution for them for the sort of going forward, that they have this template. So when they, new challenges emerge um, that we're not currently aware of, they have a template that they can go to and go, well, this is fine. We can we can work through these steps and we can come up with something positive to take positive action together um, and in a new way of working that is not sort of textbook learning, but actually creative um, and moving beyond that. So it's it's a challenging thing for schools to take on, but actually in the long term, it will have great results for them because they'll be able to demonstrate the full the full cycle. And I think community engagement as a whole, it's it's more embedded. Um, community action, um, whether that's through youth groups or through a local allotment scheme, the people that are involved are really passionate people because they're taking time out or it's in addition to their day job. Um, so that in itself really fuels momentum. And I think it's important to recognise that when you enter into any um, sort of new work with schools that, you have to have representatives and local knowledge to really make it work um, because those people will know best um, to sort of what's going to work for those young people. And on a very sort of practical level, um, I guess it might it might be different depending on each school, but is are there sort of groups of children sort of physically going out of school into industry and organisations? Is it a question of people coming into school? Is it a combination of both? Sort of how, how does it sort of work and impact on the sort of the day to day um, look of a school day for each child? Yeah, it's very much getting them out of school as much as we can. Um, obviously, logistically, we're aware of uh, the challenges that poses for, for some schools, um, depending where they're based. But we're very keen on linking up those opportunities and ensuring that pupils get access to go out um, and capture information to either take it back to the rest of the school community and, and share those opportunities across the pupil population. It's really important that everybody gets an opportunity to go um, and, and experience this. And also industry experts and, and research experts going into school is really important. And I think that way they can really see the setting that young people are learning in. Um, I think learning outside the classroom is a huge a huge benefit. Um, you, you think differently. Um, we see that with our other programmes that we run where young people sort of go out for the day their expectations um, are very different. They sort of, it's a different mindset um, than leaving school, but also feeling like they're part of something bigger than their sort of day to day. And not that school's sort of a humdrum of Monday to Friday, but you can very much get into a routine of timetables and those things. So it's it's quite nice to kind of give people the opportunity to go beyond that, not just the pupils, but also the teachers. Um, it's really interesting with the programmes we run with roadshows that go up and down the country, um, that the teacher's mindset changes on that day. And the pupils learn a lot about the teachers and vice versa because they look at each other in a different way because everybody's on that learning journey together. They're not necessarily experts 
in the field that they're being presented with. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's really influential. And I think because of sort of lockdown, it's been really restrictive and sort of COVID guidelines, but schools are opening up now to doing more things beyond the school site. Um, and the more that happens, the better, in, in my view. And I think you're right in 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 well in in so much of what you just said there but i think the idea of what the school setting is and i'm going to school and then like say the ability to see that learning is so much more than that and seeing it in the workplace and 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 how those two how those two things sort of link up together and i think the more these opportunities are available the more you start to see that that learning side is the important bit and rather than kind of this was like a great day or a great moment in my in my week or month or however long that they're doing the project for but now it's back to business as usual and realizing that this is the business as usual and and actually it's not it's not two separate entities you know you need to feed in the stuff you're learning in the traditional school setting as it were into that and then it becomes morphs into into what it is that you're trying to the person you're trying to be like I say in the skills that you're developing and and also you know the wonder of what it is because like I say it's these people that are going to be solving the problems that we we're going to be having now <laughs> but but also going forward yeah and I think that sort of longitudinal approach is really important when planning sort of trips beyond the school setting so um, sort of having been a teacher um, and experienced this where you sort of go on a lovely day out and it's seen as like an enrichment activity because it's the novelty of leaving school you come back in and then it sort of drops back into normal timetable and I think the approach that we're taking in particular with the whole project um, is that you go on this experience where you leave the school gates, you go and meet industry representatives, you understand that they may not have taken sort of the typical route to the career that they are in, you understand their passions beyond their job role. You come back into school, you feel like you've connected with the science, and then you go back to normalities is, is not something we want. We want to have a continual approach where there is that reflection back in school um, and where do you take that learning next? Um, so it feels like it's more than just, oh, that was a nice day out and we've ticked an enrichment box. Actually, as a trust, 1851 Trust, we are not about enrichment, we're about impact because actually the impact is what's going to drive that systemic change that teachers go back into the classroom they've been inspired their pupils have been inspired and then they go on and say well actually let's learn about this because that's now had an impact on the way that we're looking at it as a professional and we need to sort of make this change or we need to investigate another opportunity that we can go and see a different perspective on this issue or this this challenge that needs action um, whether that's for climate sustainability or mental health of the young people involved and and for those people involved is it um is it a free project um um how how is it sort of funded and and how do they sort of get in, in involved in it yeah so um it depends on different projects so um some of our work is um, funded by trusts and foundations so a lot of our um programming for protect our future is a huge research opportunity to understand the mechanisms that young people learn but also as a professional development strand for teachers to grow in confidence um, to deliver in these these areas or it may be that an industry partner has a particular interest and we welcome sort of from all, all backgrounds the sort of funding because it means that if we can get funding for the projects in particular areas then we can really scale up and we can increase the impact we'll have um, so for example the whole project um, we are funded by Ricketts and the whole council um, and we're working with their them as industry partners um, and the local council are very keen on bringing together the school community there and having this peer sharing of so everybody's ideas are at the table and it really works for them going forward and I think that combination of funding um, it does vary from project to project um, but it's ultimately makes it really relevant to that area in particular that we're working with because if people are based there and their offices are based there for example they want to have that positive outreach activity with with the school populations on their doorstep it's something which has come up um, a lot recently and I was I was at bet a few weeks ago and this sort of re-emergence of, of on, an ongoing conversation about the fact that industry um, we know is looking for for their next lot of 
employees to be creative and thoughtful working in a way which isn't necessarily something which naturally comes out of of, of, of schools hence the reason your project is such an, such an amazing idea and, and providing such great value um but there's an awful lot of money in industry and there are so many great projects out there and and so many of these conversations are about we just need to, to find a way where we can we can put the the finance which is available from industry into education in a way that has an ability to sustain all of these things going forward. It's very hard to do it piecemeal, isn't it? Sort of project to project all the time. We could almost just do with a massive fund that industry can actually sort of put into, from a, even if it's a charity point of view, that enables the the money there because they know it's going to be doing good. You know, the, the organisations that are able to put these things together and actually have the expertise to run the, this sort of community idea of learning. Um, and and I just think that the, the, the more it comes up, the more I just think it's such a, a fantastic idea. And, it, and it's, it's a way of sort of, like I say, everybody working together for the benefit of everybody. But it's such a different mindset and such a different way of working than what we deem education to be, because it's very siloed in so many different ways. Yeah, and I think I've I've seen it in the past where um, organisations have linked up and it looks great. And I always describe it as a bit of a quality street experience because you get a great brand that links up with a, a particular school group or organisation. They produce something that's seen and, and viewed as an education resource but it's very much a quality street wrapper experience because it looks shiny and nice but actually when you take the wrapper off you eat the chocolate it's gone um and it kind of that it's nothing beyond that experience actually what we're developing at the 8051 trust is that long-term growth um to really make sure that what we develop is is relevant but embedded in the communities um and with the organizations we work with once we have set up the relationships and we've done the sort of the co-creation piece with them that we revisit um and we adjust and we make sure that it's just as relevant as it is today as what it is in a couple of years and if there's a more appropriate example um, to demonstrate or to inspire the young people then we change it we change it up and being agile and the small organization that we are we we can we can do that Um, and perhaps we don't have to go through sort of as as many sort of um, processes to get to that point we can be instinctive about it and if if there's a reflection with relevant expertise and we feel like we need to change it then we, we make that move and I think that's a really important um, skill set to have as an education specialist charity is that you recognise that you can't just put things out and put it on a shelf and it just gathers dust balls. You need to sort of continually pause, reflect and review um, just as any good teacher does in the classroom to make sure it's relevant for those young people that are receiving it and being supported. Yeah, and it's that kind of idea of modelling, isn't it? Because if that, as an organisation, that's how you are, then that's exactly the sorts of you know the sorts of learning the sorts of people that we want to show those skills for because like i say what worked even last term might not work next term partly because of the time scale but also partly because you've got a whole different set of people or um you know that they've matured it might be the same people but just in in a different scenario so i think i think that kind of collaboration the conversations like saying the ability to think as long as we know what we're aiming for and what our values are and what it is that we're trying to achieve, the rest of it is fluid enough to be able to do it, but while still having these core ideas and being able to put the, the experiences in place that we're, that we're after. Yeah, I think that values piece is really significant um, for a lot of organisations because it's what, what drives you, it's what gets you up out of bed in the morning, it's knowing that you are sort of the impact you're having is supporting young people it's um sort of diffusing climate anxiety because we're we're creating access to opportunities for young people regardless of postcodes that they can receive these opportunities whether it's in the class or whether it's at home on their own devices um or whether it's learning alongside sort of family and friends it's it's getting the information out there um to, to give those opportunities to everybody and I think certainly what you mentioned sort of right at the beginning of the conversation, the idea of knowing that the information you're getting and the, the people you're involved with from a conversational point of view is, you know, is based in something which has real merit behind it. Because like you say, you know, you can put fake news or whatever in inverted commas, but there's just so much information out there and you can hear 
you know, the same message in four or five different ways, all leading to a different sort of scenario. And as, as a youngster, I think I think that's really, really hard. And, and, and I think to, just to have these points where you can think, I know I'm I'm safe here. It's based on this. And like I say, the more people that you can touch practically through a project as well as well as what they come across online, that just builds that confidence. And I think that that trust element is something which is going to be more and more important as we go forward. Yeah, trust is a huge thing. I think that's um, sort of my experience as a mum of two during lockdown, trying to deliver sort of, even as an educator, it was a challenge, um, sort of as a year three and a year five child, sort of looking at syllabuses. And um, we were very much in the end at a point where there was so much information online that it was just becoming overwhelming. Um, as, a, as a sort of family that was continuing to work through that time as well. And I think to give something to people that is digestible um, and sort of bite-sized information, they don't have to do loads of um, sort of digging around on the internet and sort of um, sanity checking, is this right for my child, is is really important, particularly at the moment, um, where young people are interested in how we create a platform and build the community that is driven by a young person's voice, um, I think will help in, in years to come sort of demonstrate how young people's voices can inform the wider policy around education um, and how we approach new programmes, how it's delivered in school and digital as well as face to face, I think is a, is a big important part of that development. And we're going to go down a rabbit hole here, which I'm not intending to do. But, <laughs> um, but, but, but in terms of that sort of new look education, we know that so many schools are just handcuffed by Ofsted and and what's deemed to be the right thing. And the one thing that over you know the 250 plus episodes I've done, it's that those fearless leaders, those fearless people in education, who know by just having these opportunities, projects embedded in the sorts of things that they do it more than you know serves them from an Ofsted point of view if that's indeed important but then with that sort of child-centered idea of, of the experiences and the learning they want to do everything just thrives um so is it kind of do you think education will change the more people involved in education start to hear those sorts of things and actually have that experiences as sort of senior leaders and and be able to put these things in place that, that kind of fear that it has to look a certain way based on what they hear from a sort of a government point of view compared to what they actually experience in the classroom and beyond from, from these sorts of projects and that the 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 system will change and sort of morph a little bit more organically as there's more available. I think from my experience leadership in schools is a significant part of that. If you are fortunate enough to work in a, a school community that has um, a leader that wants to demonstrate what's possible in education, then that change is um, is easily easily adopted across the school community because through that leadership, you are allowed time and flexibility to explore and be curious about alternative approaches. Um, it's, it's a challenge, particularly sort of off the last year because of the big sort of focus on assessment as to sort of seeing where where young people are across um, the school population in terms of their understanding and their knowledge. But actually what's measured beyond assessment um, in terms of young people's creativity is, is really difficult to measure no matter what assessment you use. Um, and that creativity, in, in my opinion, is more important um, to young people in terms of how resilient they'll be in the future and adapting to change and seeing opportunities and problem solving and also we need a whole generation of problem solvers with the challenges that we have at the moment the skills are important the knowledge is important but the application of is going to be significant into sort of how we the momentum of change that we have beyond um, the next sort of five years when you look at sort of statistically sort of the planet forecast and actually these young people um, and the teachers that are supporting them and the sort of home support network are really going to be the ones that change the code actually to what's currently forecast. So there's a huge emphasis on school leadership in that, that conversation in terms of Ofsted really recognising where the opportunities are and taking taking the leap. Ultimately, it's it may feel sort of risky at times, but actually 
I'm sort of very much of the mentality, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I think you have to sometimes step out of the box to realise the opportunities that are beyond kind of the day to day. And with offsets, um, a big part of offset is, is having those broad and rich opportunities for young people and having relevant um, information to the communities that those schools sit in. So it, it is there um, and programmes like Protect Our Future are a great opportunity to, to delve into that further and actually have an impact pathway that demonstrates that collaborative working can really enhance these opportunities for young people and the future way that we deliver um, knowledge and skills in schools not just in subject blocks but cross-curricular approach so you've got the application throughout. I really think that the more we hear these conversations the better because I just think that there's someone listening who goes I've been wanting to do this but I was never quite sure how to voice it or how to how to put it into place or, or how to sort of get that momentum going because the voices around them are are a slightly different I don't know, old school is probably not the right word but you know that that kind of it needs to look like this because this is how we've always done it and it seems to be working um and what we want to be able to do is we know this is the way forward we know this is going to enhance the experiences and learning of so many children which is important but also like I say when you start putting it in those sort of you know the planet and the globe and and how our communities are going to be thriving or not in in, in the future all of the rest of it becomes sort of very sort of doesn't really matter too much let's do what we know as as a society is is really going to work and sort of lead from that way and and i just think the more people can say yeah but i've heard this and this person was talking about it like this and this person's done it and this is a this is happening somewhere already then the momentum's already there isn't it it's just literally been able to sort of say no this is happening now not something we wish could happen but the reality is it's actually right here right now which is i think then it's very exciting because then the world literally is your oyster and, that, and that's really what we're about yeah and it's that ripple effect ultimately that you see um and sort of passing on the information and that's where networking is really important in terms of um sort of academies that we work with um and also schools that are in areas that they have sort of challenges beyond delivering the curriculum with sort of big social services issues in schools um where young people have got so much that they are dealing with outside of school and outside of their learning that they can't learn effectively because they've got big challenges going on in their personal life that they bring into school with them so it's, it's being mindful of that and understanding that what might be a priority to us how it lands with that young person might be very different so and that's where listening is important and the conversation piece and um sort of removing those barriers to young people accessing the opportunities that we can we can mobilize for them but acknowledging that actually them coming into it they they might not be this might not be number one on their agenda actually they're at home they might be have other struggles with their financial family family dynamic um so it's, it's it's being mindful of that and having um an ear to the ground in terms of what is the big, what are the big challenges for young people um, and working with them in a way that when they receive the information it doesn't add to a huge burden of worry that they're already contending with in life yeah absolutely that's all and that really is personalized learning isn't it it's not necessarily about how you're doing any given subject it's about what you need as a as a human on any given day like you're saying it's only that relationship that you you often have as a teacher or or within that education system that knows that the conversations that you have around the classroom that just kind of gives you that insight which i think i think is really really important and and and, and then is there a, a school experience or a teacher that you remember that kind of gave you that kind of sense of oh yeah there's something here which is just giving me something more than just like saying another day in the classroom yes yeah i, I suppose when i was sort of primary school was very happy days for me um in terms of primary school was sort of creative um sort of lots of playtime that's my memory of primary school um but in particular when i went to secondary school going into very subject-based learning i was very aware that i was learning science i was learning english um or i had re lesson um and i think then you start sort of compartmentalizing things when you go to secondary school really in terms of what you like um and teachers can be a huge influencing factor on that um 
I was always a learner that enjoyed understanding th- how things work um but not necessarily writing it down <laughs> I think that's sort of that was one of my challenges which um as I went sort of later on through my education journey sort of become apparent why um but for me sort of a big standout moment was um in an English lesson with a teacher Mr Bennett and he was a South African teacher that was brought in because sort of as as long-term cover for for the class and we were covering the text To Kill a Mockingbird at the time and it's a fantastic book um but the way that he delivered the book sort of talking about uh courage and empathy as skills um to have and how they are um hugely powerful that in life if you can understand how people approach things from different parts of society and have the courage to sort of stand up um for what you believe is right that was a big turning point i'd say in in my education journey because I then recognised that um, I needed to study a bit harder. (laughs) Ultimately, knowledge is power. And if you can have a good basis of knowledge, you can really change the way people think about things because you can enter into conversations where you can use that that knowledge based research that you've, you've uh, investigated to really turn turn people's um, thinking around or also challenge their way of thinking and be receptive to others as well that other people's experiences may be the way that they think that they think now um, but yeah hugely influential and I think he, it was his teaching of that text and, and Atticus Finch and sort of the way that he talked about him as a character and, and the bravery there that uh, changed my view of learning and the purpose of learning uh, for my adult life I really love that and I've never really heard it before in terms of that sort of the 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 idea of knowledge and like you say and and the skills around empathy and those sorts of things as well and the idea that knowledge where people say but I can find out anything I need to at any given time you know I've got a computer in my pocket kind of thing but having knowledge in you because it's something which is important you're able to share ideas open conversations and like you say being able to to change someone else's life based on on the things that you're interested in and what you've learned i think it's a it's a really interesting starting point from that sort of knowledge set compared to kind of skill set idea and um yeah it's going to be give me a lot to think about i think going forward <laughs> open the door though it's fantastic um What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Or is there any advice you'd now give your younger self looking back? Oh, lots of advice I've had over the years. Uh, what's felt most relevant is varying in different <laughs> different contexts. Um, I think for me personally, so we're so we're a military family, so we've um we've moved eight times in the last ten years, um, homes, and that's been quite a challenge in different ways in terms of sort of bringing everybody on that journey each time and settling and and I think one of the best pieces of advice is I was given which was our wedding day actually um sort of entering into the community of, of formerly of, of sort of army life um was that make every move count and I think if you make every move count then you don't feel like it's holding you back from achieving what you might have achieved if you were sort of very settled and you didn't have the inconvenience of sort of being surrounded by brown boxes every six to 12 months so it's um I think for me that was one of the best bits of advice that I've had in terms of mindset and it's really helped me overcome at times in terms of thinking in a positive way that actually some things are beyond my control and that change happens and to reflect on it in that way um, that I can move forward from it and make something positive happen with each chapter and breaking it down into chapters has been really useful. Um, and then another piece of advice that I was given, I was attending a quilting group um, because it felt like a good thing to do at the time. And I still quilt now. It's a, it's a hobby that I definitely sort of go into my own world and switch off, um, sort of have a digital switch off, I suppose. And the quilting teacher, Heather Bennett, another Bennett, must be, I think, something in the name. Um, she was saying to me that I'm always apologising. So she called me Mrs. Sorry because every lesson I was saying, sorry, I'm not getting this. Sorry, I just don't understand. Um, and she was saying, you, you just stop apologising because if you if you live constantly apologising, 
you're holding yourself back and actually there's always a plan b there's always a plan c don't don't sort of sweat the small stuff in terms of mistakes you're making look at what you've learned from it and how you can move forward from that moment so it was yeah hugely influential and a lesson that I've sort of taken forward when talking to young people that kind of feel like they're not really sort of making a change happen or they're failing that it's not failure it's it's learning and then you move on yeah I think the mindset and and just hearing these pieces of information and bits of advice is is incredible and um and and it's amazing how how you hear the right thing at the right time don't you and it just then sets you up you know to see everything as an opportunity rather than something that's holding you back I, I think that particularly is a is really important because we all have seasons in life um and whether they're they're very impactful because it's a big thing or whether like you say it's something just a little bit more sort of uh from a day-to-day point of view you you can kind of put yourself in whichever box literally that you want it to be and so to sort of start with that idea of no I'm gonna this is an opportunity here because I wouldn't have this opportunity had it looked like x or y you know like I say it is what it is rather than it should be different and I think that's such a it's such an important thing and I think to sort of hear it in that way is is it's incredibly valuable now, there's always a resource which is important to us, and sometimes it can be a podcast, a book, a video, film, or a song, any, anything. But is there something you'd like to share which has is, is had a big impact on your life? Uh, I suppose for me, I'm, I, I really like films. Um, I like the escapism that they provide at times where you can exercise emotions in a safe way and that you're responding to a film in sort of the privacy of your own home or whether it, whether it is in a cinema. Um, it's that sort of exercise of emotions that I think is um, a great thing to have and the same with sort of books um, sort of I know it's sort of To Kill a Mockingbird because that's one of my favourite books of all time but sort of the journey of emotion that you go through um, and realising sort of how you can make change happen but for me it's sort of a really cheesy film um, or it feels like a cheesy film to reference in this podcast but years ago I was in hospital um to have open heart surgery and it was it was an emergency procedure and the evening before I was due to go in I sort of couldn't sleep and I was on a heart ward um sort of other patients and uh I turned on the, the sort of the tv screen and chose a film and it was G.I. Jane which was sort of a classic from childhood and just watching that film and the resilience um and I think there's a quote in there and she talks about kind of I feel like I'm in pain. I'm in. I'm alive. Um, there's sort of that interplay there, and I think that's that for me was like a real turning point in terms of where I was at that point of recognizing that it, it wasn't a great situation. It wasn't um, a guaranteed outcome of what the heart surgery was going to be, but I was in great hands and um, sort of there was no other option on the table. So that was what, what had to happen. And watching that film that evening, kind of made me realize that what I'd been through um sort of with chemotherapy and um various different surgeries that had led to that point that actually I was fighting and that fighting spirit um sort of I'm no Demi Moore but it kind of made me think watching that film that everyone's got their own struggles so whether they're physically physical struggles or whether they're mental struggles and actually you just need to keep going <laughs> I think that was the sort of what came out of watching that film and sort of in different talks that I've given since after that point for the Lymphoma Association it was a, a real turning point for me as cheesy as it may be and sort of where I was at the time but it has made me sort of push on in moments when self-doubt has creeped in or sort of not feeling physically kind of at my best to kind of have the resilience to carry on and support those around me but actually you need to push on and you need to have grit and resilience and I think those are skills that are really important for everybody to have so you sort of don't completely sort of fall out and recognize that it's hopeless to carry on but there's always there's always hope and there's always a possibility that things can be different and it's kind of just pushing on to get to that point or discover an alternative way to make things happen yeah well first of all thank you so much for sharing that I really really appreciate that and and the thing that strikes me and, and this happens this well this comes to be in, in all sorts of parts of my life as well you, you sort of mentioned it is a is a sort of a cheesy film compared to the 
what was going on in your life. And and I, I've sort of thought about the mundaneness sometimes of things that happen when there's something really important that's happened. So it might be that someone's died, but it's like, I've still got to make a cup of tea or I've still got to put the bins out. I've still got to do this. And it's sort of, it's sort of the yin and yang of these two things. You've got something incredibly important and, um, life-changing happening in on one on one level and on another level you've got something which either just has to happen or something that just takes you and just shows you something which seems completely unrelated but actually it's all part of the fabric of of what life is and I think anything which supports you like I say and you're able to kind of bring that together to to give you strength or to do anything to kind of then be able to share that and and you never know how it's going to help someone else and I think just talking about these things and um and being able to someone to hear that, oh, right, yes, there's something here for me, whether it's a, a direct correlation or whether it's just something that kind of touches you somewhere. That's it's such an important thing to be able to do. So, yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. Yes, I think it's really important to remember and not compare. <clears throat> so I think one of the mistakes that people make is they think, oh, well, my problems are not as bad as somebody else's because that's a lot more extreme. And gosh, I can really get over what's kind of small fry for me. But um, actually, everybody's in isolation that they need to be sort of listened to and um, sort of recognise that there are challenges for that person and to not compare with others because otherwise that can get you into sort of a deeper sort of hole then of, of thinking that you can't get yourself out of it. So yeah, it's really important and it's good to share. And I think ultimately sort of having conversations that you can really build a community of understanding um, where everybody feels heard. Yeah, and, and and what a perfect way to finish in terms of we started talking about community and I think what you know, the most important thing is it's human to human. And when we can talk about projects in schools and links to industry and all that kind of thing but I think no matter what the project no matter what the situation no matter what the school it all comes down to that human to human conversation and empathy and working together and inspiration and it's why the the, the one size doesn't fit all because the conversation that you have today with me is different to the conversation with someone else tomorrow and how it affects anybody that's listening is going to be very individual and I think that's very freeing and it's very supportive in, in so many ways. So so just before we go, do tell us where everyone can find out more about the project and, and, and get involved if they can. Yeah, certainly. So we've got a website, which is protectourfuture.org. Um, we're also on Twitter, um, we're on Instagram. And if you just go on to the website, we'll have all the links through that you can join us on those communities. And and please do follow us on those those social channels. We are adding more um, over the next couple of months as we're co-creating with young people across the UK. Um, so yeah, join us there and you can keep us keep posted on developments as and when they happen. Fantastic. Lindsay, thank you so much for, for your authenticity. Thank you so much for sharing such a fantastic project and um and hopefully we can we can impact as many children as we possibly can um not just today but well into the future as well like you say with that longevity of these sorts of ideas so yeah thank you so much indeed oh thanks mark thanks for having me today it's been great thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community with over 300 episodes i've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.